the last day. Thank you very much. You may be seated. the prayer. 
praise is yours and the praise is yours you're the one we bow before and the praise is yours and the praise is yours you're the one we bow before raining over us as we lift you You're the one we bow before Reigning over us As we lift you up You will reign worthy of all of our praise. He's worthy of our worship. He's worthy of our life. He's worthy of our best. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is greater than anything we'll ever face in this life, and I praise the Lord for who He is. Thank you, Brother JB, for that song this morning. Um, We serve a great God. I want you to take your Bible, if you would, turn to John chapter 6 once again. John chapter 6. John chapter 6. Let's have a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you. Thank you for being who you are. You are the great I am. You are God. And Lord, we're thankful today that you are a holy and just God. And Lord, I'm thankful today that you're a loving, merciful, gracious, long-suffering. You're greater than anything we'll ever face. And Lord, I'm thankful that you're there for us. Thank you, Lord, for the ability to come together this morning, the privilege to be able to sing praises unto you. Lord, I pray that you truly would be lifted up, not just in words, but Lord, in our hearts, in our lives, as we worship you with a a life of worship, that you be glorified in all that we do. Lord, I'm thankful that you you have the answers that we need. I pray, Lord, that you would now speak to our hearts, give me the right words to say, give me the strength but I pray that you would be glorified. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Today we live in a world that is searching for answers. You look around, there's people are so desperately in need of filling that need within their hearts and they're looking for what's going to fix that problem that they have. Because there's lots of problems. There's lots of difficulties. There's lots of challenges. I mean, we could spend a long time talking about all the problems that people face in this world today, but the bottom line is this. People are longing 
for answers, longing for help. People are looking for something that will help them with that longing that's in the depth of their soul. Unfortunately, the devil today has done a great job at trying to give them substitutes that will help with that emptiness that's within their heart. He'll try to do whatever's possible to be able to make it to where they, he can uh, give them a, a, a cheap substitute that will help them uh, for the short term, but in the long term, cause them great tragedy in their life. I'm sure many of us have seen that. Maybe you've experienced that in your life. Over the next couple of weeks, I want to begin a series speaking about the, the one that truly has the answers to those questions. The questions of why am I here? How, how can I get through the day? What's going to happen for all eternity? What's my purpose in life? Uh, I'm hungry. I need something. I need something. My soul is longing. Listen, over the next couple of weeks, I want to spend some time looking at the one, the only one that can actually satisfy the longing of people's hearts. The one that can actually fill that emptiness that's within their heart. Over the next couple of weeks, I want to talk about Jesus Christ, who is the great I Am. I want us to look at it from perspective of and realizing who Jesus Christ said that He was and how when He came, how that he, he gave words and He gave the answers to the very questions of life, of how we can have satisfaction, of how we can finally uh, get to the place of having peace in our life. You know, the Bible records several statements made by Jesus referring to Himself as the great I Am. We see it again and again, but primarily most of these um, I am statements, you can find most of them in the Gospel of John. And so we're going to be really hanging out in the Gospel of John, looking over the next couple of weeks at them. But before we do that, I want to just kind of look at what the word I am means. What is it talking about? Jesus Christ, he talked about himself being the I am many different times. And I want us just, just for a moment, before we delve into the message today, kind of lay a groundwork for the I am. When you think about the I am, what comes to mind? What's the first thing that comes to mind? I think about Moses. I think about the burning bush. I think about God speaking to Moses and saying, uh, say that I am have sent you. you. You think of that. You think about how that it was God actually speaking to Moses. Some people would say that Jesus Christ never claimed to be the great I am, but I can tell you this, he absolutely did. There is no doubt that he did. When you look at the New Testament, the Bible records these several statements that when Christ refers to himself as the I am, this was actually one word spoken in the Greek. You know, sometimes in translation, we have two words that might replace one word from the previous um, language that would be spoken. In the Greek, the one word that we see here when we see the word I am is imi, which simply means I am. Imi, it's, it's a word, it's a compound word that talks about that which is eternal and ever exists. It's not just saying that I am here or I am he, but I have always been here and I always will be. And so with that understanding, I'm going to just share just a couple of verses before we delve into this and, 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 and see where other places in John here where we see I am is translated as like this is I or I am he. For instance, in John chapter 4, you can go ahead and just turn back there. Look back there if you would. Look at a couple of verses with me. John chapter 4, verse number 26. Look what it says. Here we see the woman at the well. Here's an adulterous woman. Here's a Samaritan woman. Here's a woman that is looking for answers, and Christ has the answer for her. He's going to give her some water, but she'll never thirst. And this is what he says to her right after she says that we're looking for the Messiah to come. He says this. Look what he says. 
I that speak unto thee am he. That word there, am he, that, that he right there is that compound word that I'm talking about, emi. It's the, it means I am. I always have been. He's not just saying he's the Messiah. He is saying here, and she would have understood it as he spoke it to her, that you are the one that claims to be the I am. Yes, you're the Messiah, but you are the I am as well. Jump to chapter 6 now. Notice what it says there in verse number 20. Here we see the disciples, they're out in this, I mean, raging uh, sea, the, the raging all around them. Remember, Jesus walks on the water, he comes to them, and they're afraid. I mean, I can imagine if I was out there, I'd be afraid too. But he comes to them, and look, look what he says there. He says, but he saith unto them, it is I be not afraid. There's the exact same word again, it is I, emi, saying that he is the I am be not afraid. I am the ever-existent one. I am the one that always will be. I am God right here in the flesh. Don't be afraid is what he's saying to them. Now jump to chapter 8 and look at verse number 24. Chapter 8, verse number 24. Here we see that Jesus Christ, he's speaking to a, a, a multitude of Jews that are there, a, a great group of them. He's in the treasury at the temple speaking to them. And they are questioning him. They're talking to him. They're wanting to, for him to do, I mean, to do, uh, uh, um, to answer some of the questions that they have. And this is what he says to them. He said, I said therefore unto you, look at it, that ye shall not die in your sins, but if ye believe not that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. But if ye believe not that I am he. They're talking about the Messiah here. He's talking about who he is. He's talking about the fact that he is going to die. He's talking about all these things. And he's saying, if you believe not that I am he. There is that exact same word again, emi, in the Greek that means I am. Look at verse number 28. Jump down. Then said Jesus unto them, When ye have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall ye know that I am He, and that I do nothing for, of myself, but as my Father hath taught me, I speak those things. The exact same thing again. And then just to nail it down, look down at verse number 58. Look at it again. Look at verse 58. Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, what's it say? I am. The exact same word, emi. I am. In all of these instances, Jesus Christ is speaking to them and they understood exactly what he was saying. He was saying that he was the great I am, that he had come, he was the Messiah, and they must believe that he is who he says that he is. He referred himself to exactly what was called of God, the name of God in the Old Testament. He was called the great I am. Exodus chapter 3, verse 14. Notice it says, And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am has sent me unto you. And so I wanted you to grasp that because when we're talking about these I am statements, we're talking about Jesus was proclaiming himself to be the self-existent one that had no beginning and no end. There is no doubt as to what he was saying. And you look at the response of what the Jews, how they responded to what he said. Why am I saying all of that? Because I am saying today that Jesus Christ is the great I am. Jesus Christ, and we're going to be looking at this over the next several weeks and talking about that. It's important for us to understand that he proclaimed that truth. And Jesus, he, he was the promised Messiah. He was God in the human flesh. He was, um, he was Emmanuel, God with us. 
And so these I am statements, they were made with the purpose to reveal Himself as the Christ. He was showing the people who He was. He wanted them to see that He as their Savior and Redeemer came to provide their salvation. Here we are, we're thousands of years removed, and yet there are three uh, these statements that continue to, to hold great significance. The statements that Christ said there still hold significance today. Many believe that Jesus was an historic figure. If you talk to many people today, they would agree with that. He's an historic figure. He, 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 yes, he was in history. He lived and he died. But many stopped short of seeing him as the Christ, as the Messiah, as the Savior of the world. Yet as believers, these statements, they, 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 we know that they're true. And they also remind us of what the Lord has provided for us through salvation. We receive much through Christ. And so as we look at these, I, I, want, I want us to look at this because these really are the answers that people are looking for. These are encouragement also to us as believers of what Christ has done for us. Today I want to begin with the first I am statement. I want to begin with the bread of life. Jesus is the bread of life. I want you to look back now, if you would, go back there to our text there in John chapter 6. John chapter 6, in verse number 35 and 36, we see Jesus revealed His true identity. And so number one, I want us to notice here His identity is defined. Let's look at who Jesus Christ is. He, He identifies who He is. He identifies Himself. And in verses 35 and 36, we see that, first of all, look at verse 35. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. The first thing we see here is his affirmation. His affirmation. He begins this powerful statement with an affirmation of who he is. He's saying, I am. He is proclaiming the fact that he is the great I am. Once again, this is first of several statements when he proclaims that. Here through the book of John, he he said, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection of the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true vine. We'll be looking at these, but here we see he wanted for them to see him for who he was. He was much more concerned about them understanding who he was than he was concerned about um, uh, the the, the politics of the day or or what was going on as far as the challenges. See, he understood that if they could understand who he is, everything else, all the problems in life would be taken care of. He, He wanted them to understand. And listen, he was more concerned about them understanding of who he was than the fact that he could make bread multiply and do miraculous miracles. He wanted for them to understand that he is the great I am. You know, surely this brought to mind, once again, that the Jews that would have been there that day, they would have thought of Moses. They would have thought about what had been said in Exodus chapter 3 and verse 14 when God named, gave the name of Himself as I am. I am that I am. Jesus would later proclaim His deity as we read earlier also in John 8.58 when He said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. There is no doubt of who He said He was. What He was proclaiming to be or who He was proclaiming to be. And then we see in Revelation 1.8, once again, it says, I am the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. And so here we see an affirmation of Jesus Christ making it very specific of who He was proclaiming to be. 
There are many today that try to say that Jesus was not God in the flesh. There are many today that try to say that Jesus was not um, anything different than a prophet or a good man. But I am here to tell you today that Jesus Christ Himself proclaimed that He was and is the great I Am. We see the person of Jesus Christ here. We also see His provision. Look at verse, the second part of verse 35. Notice He says, He that cometh to Me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on Me shall never thirst. I want you to remember, put this in context of who is stating this promise. Who is the authority figure that is stating these words? It is the great I Am who is saying this. And He's saying that He that cometh to Me, He that comes to the great I Am shall never hunger. He that believeth on Him shall never thirst. Now, if you knew the, a little bit what's going on here, the multitude were, were seeking physical bread. They had just seen Jesus feed a multitude with loaves of bread. I mean, there was thousands that had been fed, and now they're wanting to get some more bread. And Jesus, He's not offering them that at this moment. He is offering them something that's so much more important than the bread that man could eat and be gone. He's offering them the bread of life. The bread of life that will satisfy forever. In Revelation 21, verse number 6, it says this, and he said unto me, it is done. I am the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. That's what Jesus Christ promises. And the sad truth is today, though, many, like those who came to Jesus that day, they're looking for things to satisfy right now. They're looking for temporal things. They're looking for things that seem to maybe satisfy for just a moment, but they, they don't last. They might last for a few days or even a few months, but they don't last for all eternity. Many, they take pleasure of the flesh. They, they take pleasure in taking alcohol or bottles of pills. And, and, and once those effects and influences wear off, they're, they're worse than they were before. They have an emptiness within their heart, within their soul. They're trying to fill. And they're trying to fill it with the things of this world. But they've not been able to find it yet. You see, Jesus is the only one who can provide what we need. He is the only one that will give the provision that is for all eternity. You see, one touch from the Lord and you'll be forever changed. You remember the day that you got saved? I remember the night that I got saved. All it took was one touch from the Master's hand and it changed my life completely. All it takes is one touch, one touch from Jesus Christ and you can be healed. We see here that Jesus Christ and His provision, He that cometh to Me shall never hunger. He that believeth on Me shall never thirst. And then notice the next verse here, verse 36. But I said unto you that ye also have seen Me and believe not. Here we see His exaltation. See, Jesus, He knew the desires of their heart. Jesus knew right down deep inside what their intentions were. They were more than happy to receive the benefits that He provided, but they were unwilling to submit to Him as the Lord and Master. They were unwilling to submit to Him as who He was. He was the great I Am. They were unwilling to submit to Him as the Christ, as the Messiah. Their rebellion, their unbelief would hinder their receiving His marvelous gift. Can you imagine it? I am. The great I am is right there in their presence. Flesh and blood. They've seen His miracles. They've seen what He has done. And what do they want? They want more miracles. They want more trinkets. They want something that they can give to the flesh. Something that will help them with their flesh's desire and hunger. And He's standing right there before them. He's offering them something that will help their need for all eternity. 
And they reject it. Not only do they reject what He's offering them, they reject Him. Who is making the offering? Who it is? It is the great I Am. They're refusing to believe who He says that He is. You know, the fundamental truth has not changed. And it never will. This fundamental truth of people wanting something now. They want to get something for free. They want something. No doubt, all who ever lived want to go to heaven when they die. Yeah, I'd like to go to heaven. Yeah, I'd like to make sure that I'm in a good place. Listen, I, I don't want to have to die and go to hell. Yeah, I'd like to go to heaven. They have all desire to receive the favor and grace of God in their lives, but all are not willing to receive Christ. All are not willing to receive Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, He is the source of our salvation. There is no other way to be forgiven and inherit eternal life but through Jesus Christ. They want to get out of heaven. I mean, they want to get out of hell free. They'd like to say, yes, I'd like to go to heaven. But they don't want to come to the place when they acknowledge Jesus Christ for who He is. You see, what we do with Jesus is the defining factor in our lives and our eternal destiny. What you will do with Jesus will determine how you live the rest of this life and where you'll spend eternity. We must, be, we must recognize who He is. We must accept Him as Lord if we want to be saved. Now, before I go any further, make sure you don't misunderstand. I'm not talking about Lordship salvation. What I'm talking about, you must come to a place in your life when you acknowledge who Jesus Christ is before you can ever come to know Christ as your Savior. You must understand who He is, who He proclaimed to be and believe it by faith. I want to move on to point number two. I want you to notice. In verses 37 and 38, we see His authority is declared. Jesus reveals great truth about God's plan of salvation. I want us to look there. Look at verse number 37. Notice the elements involved in these truths. Look at it. He says, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. Here we see the providence. The providence. Jesus speaks of those whom the Father has given Him. He spoke of those who come to Him. You see, if we're to be saved and receive the bread of life, there must be a drawing of the Lord. You see it in verse number 44. There's a drawing where the Holy Spirit of God is drawing that person, where God is drawing that person to the Son. There must be the work of the Holy Spirit dealing in the hearts of that individual, and there must be conviction in their hearts. Now, once again, I'm not talking about predestination, the fact that God determines that some are going to get saved and some aren't. What we're talking about is the fact that the Holy Spirit of God is part in the work of bringing you to salvation. God drawing you. The Holy Spirit of God working as the Word of God speaks to your heart. The Holy Spirit of God begins to speak to your heart and brings conviction within your heart. And we see that the Father draws them unto the Son. You see, we cannot leave God out of the salvation process. I didn't get saved because of what I did and of myself. I got saved because of what God did in my life. He, he convicted me of my sin. He drew me unto Him. And through the Word of God, God worked in my life. God was involved in the process of salvation. You know, there are many today who are not saved and yet they fully intend to get saved. I want you to think about this with me. How many people do you know, and don't raise your hand, but how many people do you know that say, yeah, I'd like to be saved maybe one day. I've talked to a lot of people like that. 
Maybe they won't even say that to you, but you witness to them. They've heard the message. Perhaps they've even been to church, but they've never trusted in Christ as their Savior. I've talked to people that have said things like, well, one day I'll get saved, but I've got a lot of living to do. I've got a lot of things I want to do. One day I'll get saved. Listen, be very careful with that. You see, it is not up to you when you will get saved only. It is not up to you alone. You see, the Lord must be dealing with our hearts and drawing us toward the Savior. Many have had good intentions, but I fear that hell will be filled with people with good intentions. I feel that people will say, yeah, maybe one day I'll get saved. There's no guarantee that one day will come for you. There's no guarantee that the the Holy Spirit of God will work in your heart like He's working perhaps even now, today, as the Holy Spirit of God is speaking to your heart and you know down deep inside you don't have the peace of knowing that you're on your way to heaven. You've not trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, we can't get saved when we decide we want to. If we're unwilling to do business with God when He is dealing with your heart, what makes you think that you will be willing to do so when He isn't. If the Holy Spirit of God is right now speaking to your heart and you know down deep inside that you're not saved, that you don't know for sure you're going to heaven, and the Holy Spirit of God is pricking your heart, and you know that you have sinned, you know that you fall short of God's glory, and you know that, listen, you don't have a peace of knowing for sure you're on your way to heaven. Listen, what makes you think that there's going to come a time any better than right now to be saved? can't leave God out of the process. Is God drawing your heart? We must come when He leads. Look at the end of verse 37. And him that cometh to me, I will... Let's all read that together. And him that cometh to me, and I... and You see it? Look at verse 37b. And him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. Here are these people. They were seeking fulfillment of a temporal need that they had. They wanted some bread. I mean, what a neat thing to see all that bread and to be able to eat. They were trying to fulfill that need that they had, a physical need that they had. And had Jesus produced bread again, they'd have been filled for a moment. But they would have gotten hungry again. Jesus declared that all who come to Him would receive and enjoy the benefits that He affords. He offered much more than physical bread to those who believe. Hey, what a promise to the child of God. All who come to Him shall never be cast out. All. Is that hard to understand? That's every one of us. All. There will never come a day when we are asked to leave the presence of the Lord. There will never be a time when He fails to care for us. There will never be a circumstance that He doesn't or is able to provide for our needs. We can look at verses like John 10, 28 and 29 and Romans 8, 31 through 39. He is there. He is able. We see the assurance on him that cometh to him. I will in no wise cast out. Look at verse 38. Notice what it says. For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. We here we see the obedience of Christ. The obedience. Clearly those present that day had not grasped the enormity of this encounter. Like I said, once again, here they are. They're right in the very face of the great I Am. And what He is saying to them 
You see, Calvary was yet in the distance, but already Jesus, He had resigned Himself to the cross. That's the reason why He came. He came that He might die. Here He is already saying, for I came down from from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of Him that sent me. He knew what He came to do for. He came to die. And He's determined He's going to fulfill the plan of salvation. You see, that plan God had set forth before the foundation of the world. It had been there all that time. And God from all eternity past knew what was going to happen. And had there been no Savior, there would be no salvation. Jesus was fully submitted to offering Himself as a sacrifice for the sins of mankind. You think about what Christ has done for us. You think about the gift of salvation. Salvation is the most precious gift that anyone could receive. The most precious gift. You think about that gift that God has given to you if you've trusted in Him. If you've received that gift, think about what you have. Think about what God has done for you. Think about how that Jesus Christ endured the cross for you. How He paid your sin debt. The thought of that, that wonderful gift and the cost that was, that, was, that was required for us to know God. For us to be able to have our sins forgiven. The thought of a, a man that was perfect in every way, even though he was tempted in all points as we are and was yet without sin. A man that was holy, that was all man and all God. He was sinless. Never once once did he commit a sin. Never once did he have to ask for forgiveness. Yet he willingly took our sin upon himself. He willingly allowed himself to be nailed to that old rugged cross. Listen, he could have called thousands of angels to come. He could have been delivered at any moment just by speaking the word, but he submitted himself to the awful death of that cross. Why? Why did he do that? He did that for you. He did that for me. He did that to pay our sin debt. I praise God for what he's done. I praise God that Jesus Christ was obedient. He knew. Listen, we we see Him as the great I Am, but don't forget He was all man too. He knew what He was going to bear. I want you to notice here in verses 39 and 40, thirdly, His reliability is defended. Here in these verses, Jesus reveals the matchless power that is associated with our salvation. I want to just think about it for a few moments. Look at verse number 39. Notice what it says. And this is the Father's will which hath sent me, that of all which he hath given me, I should lose, what's the next word? Nothing. But should raise it up again at the last day. The first thing we see here is our preservation. Once again, Jesus Christ is speaking of the will of the Father. He had come to offer Himself a sacrifice for our sin, fulfilling salvation's plan. And all who come to Christ in salvation will be kept by His power. Now listen, I'm glad it's not up to me to keep my salvation. By the way, it's not up to you to keep your salvation either. It is by His power. It is by His power that we were saved and that we remain saved. You see, of all the Father has given Him, He should lose nothing, the Bible says. Not a single soul has come to Christ who was lost. Let me say that again. There's not one single soul that has come to Christ that was born again who has ever been lost. To say otherwise is contradicting what Jesus Christ said Himself. It is contradicting even what God said Himself of His power being able to keep us. You see, no doubt those who followed Jesus may have wondered about their security. You think about this, the followers of Christ. This is a 
several months before Christ died in this passage we're looking at, but not long thereafter. A lot of problems, a lot of challenges. In John chapter 6, there were thousands that were following Jesus, and when they found out the cost, many of them turned and left. Remember, that's when Jesus asked his disciples, will you leave as well? And Peter made the confession of of his faith and who Jesus Christ is and who are we going to go to. You have the answers of life. He knew the answer. that It was straight there before him. The great I Am had the answers of life. And so we see challenges are coming before these disciples. It's not all going to be easy. But can you imagine then when they arrested Jesus Christ Can you imagine the disciples and what they were feeling when when He was crucified? And Can you imagine what they were feeling when He died? Hmm. I could imagine that these disciples wondered about their security at that moment. I could imagine they had doubts and fear. But listen, when Jesus Christ died on that cross... He did not stay dead. Death was not the end of our Lord. He rose from the grave victorious the third day. And He rose victorious over sin, having completely secured salvation for all who come to Him. Listen, Jesus Christ won the victory over death. We are secure in Him. We can take comfort in that today. In fact, we can greatly rejoice. We ought to. We ought to praise God for the joy that we have, for the victory that we have, for the security that we have in Him. You see, all who are saved are kept by the power of God. Not kept by your power, but kept by the power of God. You realize there's not enough demons in hell that could take one of the saved away from the Father? There's not one. Not one person could be pulled away. There is no power that is greater than God. He is God Almighty, the great I Am. In 1 Peter 1.5, it says this, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Kept by the power of God. If you're a child of God today, you are kept by the power of God. Nothing can separate you from that. Nothing can take you away from that. Secondly, notice, look at verse number 40. And this is the will of Him that sent me that everyone which seeth the Son and believe on Him may have everlasting life, and I will raise Him up at the last day. Here we see our salvation. Our salvation. You see, long before Jesus ever walked upon this earth in the form of a man, sin had entered in the hearts of men. The sin caused separation between God and men. Men were condemned. Men were separated from God because of sin. And because of that sin, all who ever lived stood in condemnation, being condemned. Listen, God demanded that we be righteous as He is righteous. God said you have to be 100% righteous. That means right all the time. You realize none of us can do that? There's not a one of us here that can be right all the time. There's none righteous, no, not one. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. God demands righteousness, though. God demands that you be righteous in order for you not to be condemned, in order for you to be brought back into a right relationship with God. We have to be righteous, but we cannot. It's impossible within ourselves. There had to be a, a sacrifice to atone for that sin in order for restoration to be made. We could not be that sacrifice because we are sinners. We could not atone for our own sin. We could not be righteous before a holy, thrice God. But there was one who could. 
Jesus Christ, the righteous. Jesus Christ, the great I Am. He became that sacrifice. And through Him, man can now be restored unto God. Yes, the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I'm so thankful for that gift that Christ paid. For He paid my debt. He paid for that gift, that gift of everlasting life. I'm glad that I no longer stand in condemnation. That means to be condemned. That literally, it's like you're being on death row. It means that you're going to be, I mean, you're absolute guilty and you have been found guilty. But Jesus Christ, He paid my sin debt. The wages of sin is death. That's why He died on Calvary's cross. But God commendeth His love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died for you. Christ died for me. I'm so thankful for His death. I'm thankful for His burial and resurrection. I praise the Lord for what He's done. But I want you to notice here the key that we see here when it comes to our salvation. Notice the the middle phrase there when He says this, everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on Him. Everyone that seeth the Son and believeth on Him. You see, we have to come to a place in our life when we see our need before a holy God. And we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior. We see Jesus for who He is. That He is our Savior. That He is the One that paid our sin debt. That we are guilty. That we are undone. He was perfect and holy. And He took our sin debt upon Him on Calvary's cross. And we see that He died for us. And we believe that He rose again the third day. Trusting in Christ alone. Everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on Him. It's more than just saying, I believe there's a God. No, it's actually seeing Him for who He is. Acknowledging Him as the Lord, as the great I Am. Understanding that He died for you. He paid a debt for you you could not pay. Why? Because of His love. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God loves you. God wants you to be saved today. You know, there are many in Jesus' day that knew who He was. There were many that knew. But they never believed on Him. Many today know who Jesus is, but they've never come to Him in salvation. Who are you? You see, there must be more than head knowledge. It's got to be more than just saying, I believe that there's a God. I believe Jesus is who He said He was. It's for us coming to a place in our life when we see Him as our Savior, our only hope, the only way that we can be forgiven. That He died for us, our sin, my sin. And that I believe Jesus paid my sin debt. Even though I deserve to die and go to hell, even though I am a sinner, but I believe that He died for me. But He rose again victorious over sin in the grave. And by faith, trusting in Him. Having something that goes from up here in your head that goes down in your heart. As the Holy Spirit of God speaks to your heart. As you hear the Word of God preached. And the Holy Spirit of God draws you And you realize that you need Jesus as your Savior and you trust in Him. I'd like to ask if you would stand with me. Our heads bowed and eyes closed as we pray.
Lord, we thank you for your loving us. Thank you for giving us your son as the greatest gift of all time. Allowing us to know you. To not be under condemnation, not be condemned any longer. To have peace in our heart of knowing that we can eat this bread of life and never hunger. Never worrying about where we'll spend eternity. Finally, being at peace with God. Lord, I pray you'd speak to hearts this morning. Lord, I pray that you would draw. Lord, that you would bring people to you right now. With their heads bowed and eyes closed. Do you know God? Not that do you know of him. I'm not asking if you believe. The Bible says the devil and his angels believe. They know there's a God. Do you know him? Do you know him personally? Has there been a time and a place when you acknowledged him as Lord? The I am, the great I am. The one that was able to pay a sin debt you could not pay and forgive you. The one that imputes his righteousness on you. You hear this morning, you say, Preacher, I know I'm saved. I remember the time in my life. I remember when I was born again. I have no doubt I'm on my way to heaven. I know God keeps me. By his power, I've been saved. If that's your testimony, would you lift your hand up high? Say, yes, I know I'm saved. I know I'm saved. God bless me. Put your hands down. Praise the Lord. What a privilege to know. The thing is, God wants everyone to know. God wants you to know today. God wants you to have that peace in your heart. You might be here this morning and you don't have that peace. You, you don't know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you're on your way to heaven. I mean, if this was your last day on this earth, do you have peace of knowing that you're going to heaven? Is the Holy Spirit of God right now knocking on your heart's door? Is He drawing you? Oh, won't you listen? God loves you. God wants for you to receive the greatest gift you could ever receive today. But it all starts with you acknowledging the fact that you are a sinner. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God is what His Word says. That's every one of us. No matter how good you try to be, you can never be good enough. You've got to acknowledge that Jesus Christ is not just who He said He was, but that He is your only hope. He would be your Savior. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, Preacher, I'll be honest with you, I don't know for sure. God is speaking to my heart right now, though. You say, I don't know for sure, but God is speaking to my heart. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Would you just lift your hand up? God is speaking to my heart. Don't know for sure I'm saved, but God is speaking to my heart right now. Could I pray for you today? God sees your heart. God knows do you know? What do you know? 
God knows. I can't see your heart. What do you see? Is God speaking to your heart today? God loves you. Don't leave today the same. Don't leave today not knowing. Don't put it off. Don't delay. Christian, we have so much to thank God for. This invitation today, I just want to invite you to just pray and thank Him. Praise Him. Pray that God will speak to hearts. Pray that the Holy Spirit of God will speak to that loved one. That He'll draw them. He'll convict them of sin. They'll listen and come. That God will give you that opportunity perhaps this week to witness that God will draw them. Lord, we thank you. Thank you for bringing the bread of life. Lord, I pray that you'd speak to hearts right now. Lord, you see each and every heart today. Lord, I pray that we would respond to your Holy Spirit's leading. We would listen. I pray in Jesus' name. With heads bowed and eyes closed. Listen. I want to invite you right now. Christian, I'd invite you to come and pray for that loved one that you've been praying for for salvation. I'd invite you to come and thank God for your salvation. If you're here this morning, you say, I don't know for sure I'm saved. I don't have that peace. Is the Holy Spirit of God speaking to your heart right now? Why wait? Why wait? You have no guarantees. Won't you come today and trust in Christ? Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you'd come right now, we've got folks that are here at the front. Let me show you from the Word of God. One of our altar workers will go into one of our side rooms and share with you how you can be saved today. I invite you to come. Piano's continuing to play. The altar is still open. Christian, would you pray? I invite you right there. Why don't you pray for the Holy Spirit of God to speak to hearts? Does God speak into your heart? Won't you come? Trust in Him today.
not going to find the answers to fill that emptiness in your heart from anything in this world. Jesus Christ, He is the answer. He is the bread of life, that hunger that you have. You can finally have it fulfilled. Won't you trust in Christ today?
Would you sing this song with me? Let's just sing the first verse. Brother Tim, I'll have you pray here in just a moment if you'd like to come, if you would. Um, and uh, I want to just ask if you'd be in prayer for the Sales family. Um, and uh, John Sales this past week, I know many of you had heard about that, just a terrible situation. They used to come to our church, and uh, John was uh, killed tragically in a, a car accident. And so um, that's the, the father. And so be in prayer for the family, if you would. I know they'd appreciate your prayers. And then also pray for Brad Feldmere. Um, Brad Feldmere is uh, Rachel Ruby's sister-in-law's brother-in-law. And um, he has COVID-related pneumonia. He's in the hospital. And so uh, we need to ask a prayer. Go to the Lord and pray for Brad, if you would. His wife, Sarah, also has COVID. She's not in the hospital. But so you can pray for both of them. Um, but specifically, pray for Brad as he is uh, suffering this uh, pneumonia right now. Brother Tim, would you please come and dismiss us in prayer? <clears throat> Heavenly Father, I thank you for today, and I, I thank you for your word, and I thank you that you are the I Am, and that you came um, from heaven and uh, took on human form to, to redeem us, um, the only way that we could, otherwise we're hopeless without you. I just thank you for, for that. Thank you for being our salvation. I just pray for the, the Sales family as they've lost a, a father and a husband, and I pray that you just be with them, be comfort to them as only you can be in this time that... Um, is is without without words and without um, unable to to bear these things and I pray that you just be with this family, um, just be with uh, Brad as he's in the hospital and, uh, and with this pneumonia and the doctors are asking for prayer even and the and uh, family's asking for prayer and I pray you just be with him and and I pray you just touch his body um, and that you would uh, lift him up heal his body um, as only you can. Um, be with Sarah as well as she's, as she's fighting it as well. And, uh, just give us a, a good afternoon. Help us to uh, come back and ready to hear from your word this evening. In your name I pray. Amen. Mm-hmm.